You're listening to the Poema Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message encourages you, challenges you, and inspires you to see God in a real way. For more information about Poema Church, visit poemachurch.ca. Enjoy the message. This isn't just about family. This is a series about hope for your home. Some of you might not have kids. That's great. This still applies to you. Someday you will have kids or you will know kids. Let's get into it. Just going to read two scriptures here. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and what is acceptable and perfect. Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. God, we thank you so much for this series. Hope for your home. We thank you so much that you're challenging us in this area. You're challenging us to get our home life right. Because if our home life isn't right, everything else isn't right. So we thank you for this moment, for this opportunity to look at the word and to see what a Christ-centered home life looks like. So Lord, we thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If any of you are like me, currently with a four-year-old and a five-year-old, you're like, man, I need hope for my home. Is there any hope? Is there any hope? Are my kids ever going to listen? Are they ever going to use their ears that they've been given? Are they ever going to be obedient? We need hope. Some of you might not have kids. But you say, I need hope in my situation. I need hope in my home. I need hope in my relationship. I need hope for my situation. I don't know what your situation looks like, but I can guarantee you at some point you've said, I need hope for this area. I need hope for this situation. I need hope. Well, I'm here to tell you today that there is hope for your home. There is hope for your situation. There is hope for your life. There is hope. We serve a God of hope. And although your home might not always be the perfect picture of what we picture home to be, there is hope for the future. Some of you might have come from a broken home. Some of you might have come from a broken marriage, a broken situation. There is hope. We serve a God of hope. He doesn't take away your past, but he can redeem it. He can use it. He can change your story from what you were to what you are becoming. And not only that, your kids are attached to that as well. We serve a God who offers hope into our next step, our next situation, our next circumstance. And he gives you the next step. 
Let's talk about culture today. We all live in culture. Culture is all around us. Culture, let's define it. Culture is a word for the way of life of groups of people, meaning the way they do things. Different groups may have different cultures. A culture is passed on to the next generation by learning. So your home culture of the past affects who you are today. How you were raised, maybe how your parents were, affects who you are today. Your beliefs, maybe your faith, maybe the way you deal with finances, maybe the way you see different circumstances, maybe the way you look at political things, maybe even the way you look at authority, race, gender, who knows? In some way, the way you were raised has created who you are today. You say, well, I, I, don't, I didn't agree with half the things I learned from my parents or half the things my parents did. It still affected who you are today because you went in the opposite direction. It still affected you. Your home culture has still affected who you are, whether you agreed with it or not. That's what culture does. That is what culture does. Has anybody ever eaten horse? No? No? Bon and Elsa? Great. <laughs> now, when I say, has anybody ever eaten horse, does people, do people, like, clam up and they're like, oh, ooh, ooh, ah, ooh. what is that? What is it? That's culture. Because culture has told you, even though you have never tried it, minus Bond and Elsa. <laughs> and if I had the ability, I would try it as well. I would. Because I learned long ago, and this was one thing my dad taught me, part of my culture. Don't just not try something. At least try it once. Maybe even try it a second time if you didn't like it the first time. But I've experienced a lot of things that I didn't think I liked, that I tried, that I love now. But when I say, have you ever eaten horse, we get, oh, that's disgusting. But when you go to Montreal, they serve it in restaurants because that's part of the culture. But part of our culture is, oh, no, I will never eat that. I will never try that. That is disgusting. That is culture in and of itself. It's disgusting. How do you know? You've never tried it. We're certain it's terrible when we've never even had it because culture has told us that. But it's very common in other cultures. Stories of missionaries who go and they go and sit down at a dinner and there's guinea pig. Or there's dog or cat. And I can feel you curling up right now inside. <laughs> because culture says, ugh. Right? That is the power 
of culture. Why is it, and maybe this is a little old school understanding, but why is it that it's manly to barbecue, but maybe it's not necessarily manly to cook food in the kitchen? Come on. It's manly to cook on the grill, and it's the man's job to cook on the grill, and I love to cook over the fire, but then when it comes to the kitchen, we're like, oh, no, that's my wife's job. Mm. It's culture. It's culture. And we carry on these things so often from the way we were raised, and we don't even realize that it's there. You don't know why you believe it. But we still do, because that's culture. It's there. It's around us. Culture is all around us, and it shapes us, and our family has a culture. Your family has a culture. If you've been here long enough, you've heard Pastor Pete talk about why he hates milk. And if you don't know the story, God bless Bumba. She loved powdered milk. I don't know that she loved powdered milk as as much as she loved the extra money in her pocketbook. But that's a culture. That's a thing that affected him and still affects him to this day. Deliverance. And not only that, guess what? That, unintentionally, was passed to my wife. She can't drink milk. But I grew grew up drinking milk, straight from the cow. (laughs) But that's culture, right? It's culture. And your family has a culture. And so when we talk about family culture, which we don't talk about often, it's very important. If you've been married or you are married or want to get married, you will realize very quickly that each family has a culture. First year of our marriage was a culture shock. (laughs) Tell you what, in a good way, though, holidays are different. Communication is different. See, what they thought was communication and yelling, I I thought was yelling. (laughs) Communication to them was normal. It was yelling to me. That's culture. Right? That's the family culture. When we first got married, my wife viewed time a little differently than I did. I very, you know, I was very punctual. I love to be punctual and that's it still bothers me when we're late. But to my wife, in the first few years of marriage, it was just a suggestion. Like, church starts at 9, so that's just a suggestion. Right? I'm kidding. I'm just having fun. Come on. Come on. We've all been there with our spouses. We've all been there. Our home shapes us in profound ways. See, the home of your past affects the home of today. But not only does it affect the home of today, it affects your kids' home of the future. 
So why aren't we focusing on our home culture? This isn't just about you. This is about the future of your kids and their kids, future of this city and the culture of this city. Because if we don't get our home culture right, nothing else will change. So what does a Jesus-centered home culture look like? It's not about teaching your kids to memorize scripture verses as I was taught. It didn't help me. It didn't give me that relationship with Jesus just because I knew scriptures. It's not about church attendance, which is good. It's great. But that's not what it's about. It's not about Bible knowledge. It's about a relationship with Jesus. See, so often we replace relationship with rules. Hitting a nerve. It's about true relationship with Jesus. A relationship with Jesus can transform you from the inside out. But what good is it if your religion isn't affecting your home culture? It's not about religion. It's about relationship. See, we live in an age where the largest number of kids and college students are leaving the church. The largest number ever in the history of the church. You say, well, why is that? I believe it's because we haven't got our home culture right. Kids were raised going to church. We believe in the Bible. We do this, we do that. And then they see their mom and dad Monday to Saturday, and it looks nothing like they're learning on Sunday. Where's the home culture? Where's the Jesus-centered home culture? Maybe their parents professed Christianity publicly, but they didn't live it out at home. See, it's not about the rules and regulations, but it's about relationship. It's about relationship. So I'm going to give you three different approaches to home culture. Two are wrong, and I've definitely been through one of these. Maybe some of you have been through some of these. Two are wrong, and then we'll look at what a true approach to home culture looks like. The first one is this. It's a big word. Abdication. Abdication. It's a tough word to kind of say, right? Abdication. Abdication is an extreme abandonment of duty. It's an act of abandonment or a, dis- or a discarding of a right or responsibility. See, so often in this culture, we just think, oh, my kids will just turn out. They'll be okay. They'll be fine. They'll learn the hard way, but they'll learn. But are you intentional? Or are you, are you just abdicating the responsibility? I'm going to give you an example, and, and I'm not saying that Pastor Rach and I, in any sense of the word, are perfect in this. But some of the things that we are intentional with our kids to do is worship. Every night before bed, we sing a song, a worship song. Every night before bed, we pray. We try to pray before every meal. We're working on it. Because I'm trying to be intentional. 
We believe in giving. We try to make sure our kids have something to give when it comes to church, but not only when it comes to church, when it's outside of the church and when they're with their friends and sharing. And then we have fun. We enjoy life. We're not just strict parents. We like to have fun. And I'm not saying in any way this is perfect, but I am saying it's intentional. So what is it that you will be intentional with in your home? Not telling you what it has to be. But for us, it's prayer. It's worship. It's sharing. Giving. And just having fun. We spend a lot of money having fun. Sheesh. It's on us to set the culture of our home. God demonstrated this when he pulled the people out of slavery. And he sent them to Mount Sinai. He gave them the Ten Commandments. What is that? Culture. Told them how to eat. Told them what to wear. Told them when they could vacation. He set an intentional culture for the people. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16 says this. This is Paul says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Saying, be very careful how you live. In other words, be intentional in your home. Be intentional how you live. Because if you're not intentional in those moments, the culture that is around your children will form them. So you, as a parent, or as someone in a home, as a single, as a college person, whatever it may be, what are you going to be intentional with in your home? Because if you just abdicate and say, oh, I'll just let it happen and let it work and take that stance where you just say, oh, I'm hands off. I'm a hands off parent. It's not good. Because you are not speaking into your children. You're letting the culture speak into your children. Who would you want your kids to learn about Images on the internet from. And the fact that they exist. They're friends? Or are we going to step up as parents and say, hey, there's images that you might see. This is what's going on. Do you know the age? And we, we had this conversation yesterday with the couple we were with. Do you know that the age that a child is now the first time that they see any kind of pornographic images is the age of eight. 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 Are you talking to your kids about it? Or are you abdicating it because you're uncomfortable with it? Eight. You gotta start young. Because when it comes in front of them, and it will come in front of them, who are they going to listen to? Are they going to say, oh, mom and dad told me about this? 
Or is it going to be their friends who say, oh, it's okay. If you think of culture as a river, and you just sit down and you pick up your feet and you let the current carry you, you will end up in a place that you do not want to be. So we have to be intentional. Don't abdicate your responsibility. Don't let it happen by accident. We have been given the task of shaping and forming our home culture and the culture of our kids, which will affect our kids' home. It will affect our kids' kids' home. And And then don't put the responsibility on us as a church to train your kids. We get them for an hour a week, maybe two. There's not much we can do for you. The church is a partner. It's not a replacement for your parenting. We're doing our best to partner with you. Put the resources we can in your hands. But it's still your job. Don't put it on us. But we're here to help with open arms. Don't just hope your kids turn out. Be intentional with them. Be intentional with them. The second one is this. Isolation. I grew up a little bit in this. Isolation. The attempt to remove any outside sources in your home culture. So we grew up eating Christian chicken, Chick-fil-A. Christian music. Christian movies. Wow, they're bad. (laughs) Christian TV. If you're very interested in getting a laugh, go on YouTube and look up John Christ. I think it's TV show excuses or whatever. And he literally just reads a list, but it's the most comical list you will ever hear of parents' excuses, Christian parents' excuses for why their kids can't watch something. It's good. Christian clothing. See, isolation. And trying to rid yourself of external sources is never the solution. See, so often when we think that way, and this isn't too popular anymore because I believe there's a lot of people that were like, oh, this isn't working. My kid is terrible. (laughs) I actually, there's a band that we listen to and they were born and raised in the church and they're a a rock band, but they all still believe. And they tell this story on their live album of how they weren't allowed to listen to Christian music or weren't allowed to listen to secular music growing up. But they always found a way to listen to it. And so they got wise. And so they took, <clears throat> and I'm going to date myself here. So if you grew up in church, this will apply to you. Everybody else just ignore me for the next minute. They took an old Amy Grant tape. And they would record Sir Mix-a-Lot off the radio. And then they would take the Amy Grant tape to their Christian school and they would sell Sir Mix-a-Lot to all their friends. Isolation doesn't matter. It's actually worse sometimes. 
But I think the reason that this viewpoint, this approach has gone away is because people are like, oh, this is not working. It works the opposite. Because you're so sheltered sometimes, you go off the deep end. And I have lots of friends who I went to Bible school with who were sheltered for a long time. Boy, were they not in any way at a Bible school. They were getting pregnant. They were partying. They were drinking after class. It's like, you just got done with theology 101. Like, goes the opposite way. But so often we have the wrong view of sin when we think this way. Mark 7, 21 and 20 through 23 says this. From within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All of these evil things come from within. And they defile a person. See, our biggest problem is not external sources. It comes from within. Now, I'm not saying just let your kids watch whatever they want. I'm not saying that in any way. Bless you. Bible says, guard your heart, for out of it flows the issues of life. It's not just about taking the external sources away. Although there are things that you should not let your kids watch. It's just that it's common sense. But you know the saying, common sense is not common. See, our goal is to not let our home culture be less than the world culture. Our goal is to let our home culture be greater than the world culture. 1 John 4 and verse 4 says, For the one who is living in you is far greater than the one who lives in the world. The influence of Christ in your life should be greater than the world all around you. But it starts in the home. Starts with our home culture. Let Jesus transform you and then you should impact the culture around you. When we remove ourselves from the culture, we lose our ability to impact the culture. And I don't intend to be very long, and Caleb, you can come back. Number three. And this is what it needs to be. Transformation. God wants to do something in you first. It starts here. Right here. He wants to transform you. He wants to do something in you so that he can do something through you.
But I think some of us have not allowed ourselves to be that vulnerable and open. Still allowing the home culture of your past to affect the home culture that you have today. And you've unintentionally held on to some of the things that you hated. But he wants to do something in you first so that he can do something through you. Genesis 12, 2. Made a covenant with Abraham. He says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. But it says, and all people on the earth will be blessed through you. He wants to do something here, right here, so then he can work through you so that he can do something in your home, can do something in your kids, can do something in your kids' kids, can do something in your great-great-grandkids. But it starts with you. Whether you have kids or not, it starts with you. Don't wait until you're married and you have kids to be intentional. Be intentional now. Set the culture now. He's going to change you. So that everyone around you will be impacted. I'm willing to put on a helmet and step on a motorcycle because I want to change the culture. Transformation needs to happen in you first. I look back at my grandfather. Born and raised in the hills of West Virginia. Known by the town as the hellion. Known by the town as the troublemaker. Known by the town to always get arrested known by the town to always be in detention in school, comes from a history of alcoholism. I think he even came from a history of abuse. But it was one day where he allowed and said, God, please come in and transform me from the inside. 
take away the things that I grew up in. Take away the pains of the past. Take away the troubles and the things that have been sown in me from a young age and transform my heart, transform my mind, transform my life. It was because he said yes. That led him to get saved that day. That led to him going to a Bible school in Providence, Rhode Island. Meeting my grandmother. Having four sons. Who are all in the ministry. Having nine grandchildren who are all in the ministry with great grandkids coming up it was from one decision wasn't from isolation wasn't from abdication it was from transformation that affected the generation. I'm not even talking about the spouses. Those are just the relations. There's spouses involved. I think there's something of over 30-something. Shuttlesworths. Because of one decision. of getting his culture in his house right. Letting God transform him, use him. Because he realized there will be kids that will come and I can either let them be like I was or I can let him change me to change their generation. And not only that, and please do not take this as a brag. I, I could care less about my name. This is not about a brag. But the countless thousands of salvations attached to that. Because they've gone and carried on the culture. They've carried on the culture. It wasn't perfect. It was messy. But how many lives have been attached to that one decision? To stand and say, my home will be a house of the Lord. My home will be a house of prayer. My home will be a house of worship. My home will be a house of fun. I didn't feel qualified to stand up here and speak this this morning. But as I sat in my kids' room on the floor and I dressed them, they prayed for me. Because they knew I was speaking this morning. See, if we didn't pray every night before bed, would they have that in them to do it? I don't know. 
But we've set the culture for prayer. We've set the culture for worship. We've set the culture for giving. And we've been intentional. And the time comes for them to pray at night. And they, Sometimes they like to pray for their friends. God, I pray for so-and-so today. She had a hard day. She was sick today. I pray for her healing. Because the culture was intentional. Intentional. We have to start in the home. There is hope for your home. Married, single, kids, no kids. There is hope for your home. Are you going to allow him to transform you? So that you can see the effects of it for generations to come. Are you going to hold on to those things? And pass them on to your kids unintentionally. Transform people. Transform culture. Untransformed people are transformed by culture. Transformed people transform culture. Untransformed people are transformed by culture. Who are you going to be? Folks, the harvest is now. The time is now. It's time to get dirty. It's time to get dirty. But it's going to start in your home because you're raising the next generation. They're going to go into their schools and they're either going to be subject to their peers or they're going to hear it from you at home. This city will be transformed. It might not be transformed. I mean, it's been transformed. But it's still got ways to go. We might not see it. I might not see it. But our kids will. Our kids' kids will. But it starts today. It starts today. God, we thank you so much for this word today. We thank you so much for your transformation power. Let us rid ourselves of the things from the past. Let us hold on to what you have for us, for our kids, for our kids' kids, for our kids' kids' kids. Let this generation be saved transformed Holy Ghost power in Jesus name Amen Thanks for joining us We hope that this message encourages you challenges you and inspires you to see God in a real way For more information about Poema Church visit poemachurch.ca